Hello, I'm Jonathan Mast, and welcome to this edition of the Sedgwick Podcast. Got two great guests with me today to talk about the recent Peace Conference, and I'm going to toss it over to Kimberly first to tell a little bit about herself, and then uh, Jane. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me today. My name's Kimberly George. I've been at Sedgwick 22 years and have a fortunate opportunity currently to run Cedric's Global Product Development and Innovation. And Shane? Thank you, Jonathan, uh, and thanks for the opportunity to join in the conversation. So my name is Shane O'Day. I'm the Head of Strategic Relationships and Programs in Workers' Compensation and Personal Injury Management here in Australia. Uh, I joined Cedric early this year um, with a 25- to 30-year career in the sector here in Australia. Well, great. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about this. And so we're going to jump in with the first question. And uh, can you all talk a little bit about this year's conference theme, which was Together, Today, and Tomorrow? Yeah, this was a great opportunity for us, Jonathan, to really come together as the personal injury, injury industry in Australia it's really the who's who um, of personal injury and was a great opportunity for Sedgwick to um, really discuss who we are, what we're about, and our plan. Shane, do you want to share a bit more on the conference itself? Yeah, so, <clears throat> so Kimberly is absolutely uh, spot on in terms of just building that profile of Sedgwick here in Australia uh, beyond its current uh, product offering. In terms of you know, the, the themes uh, together was really about uh, collaboration. Again, to share approaches to what are common issues and leverage those lessons learned. Today, um, we've all experienced the pandemic in different ways around the globe. Um, it's been a key event and a disruptor, certainly in Australia, in this industry, and a stark, we were given a stark reminder by our keynote speaker, Dr. Norman Swan, who's a very well-known and respected commentator here in Australia and in some parts of Europe. And look, the sector in Australia, like elsewhere, needed to rapidly adapt, change the way it operated uh, and deliver services. So it was about what did we do and just take the time to take a step back, rethink and challenge the status quo. So again, part of the key theme. And tomorrow, the obvious. So what have we learned and how can we actually plan for a better tomorrow? Uh, at a policy and government level, leveraging the evidence-based research that's emerging that, that is actionable and, frankly, translatable. So that was the concept and the themes of the conference. Well, Kimberly, start with you, go back to uh, on this question. First, how does leveraging the power of influence help improve claims outcomes and elevate the overall experience? And then a part two to that is, what plays a role in this, such as building trust, engagement? Uh, if you want to start, uh, share your thoughts on that. Yeah. I've, I feel really honored to have had the opportunity to be a presenter. And um, Shane and I chose to submit this topic specifically because most personal injury and workers' compensation schemes around the globe are really working to have the injured worker, the customer, the claimant at the center of everything we do. And yet when we think about that, 
whether we use, you know, advocacy or trusted advisor or navigator as our term, we really need to take a step back and think about the capability uplift, the development of our case managers, our adjusters, our nurses, to recognize influences that have impacted them, but also how they influence the injured worker. And so to really create an advocacy-based claims model that drives improved outcomes as well as the customer experience, we need to dig deeper into the power of influence. And so in my session, I really talked about leadership styles around influence and that with today's generations in the workplace, it's we've really moved away from a command and control type leadership style to one of more engagement where it's a more inclusive environment and colleagues, employees, the people that work with us and for us, they want to be engaged in the conversation around goals and program design and and their job and and that's that then if we take that leadership in with influence and then translate that into our case managers being a driver of influence to our customers our injured workers we then can can get a consistent culture and if there's something I really respect about business in Australia is that emphasis on culture and tying that to performance and capability uplift, the development, if you will, of our colleagues' skill sets so they can perform at the highest level. And so that advocacy, that power of influence, it builds trust. And when there's trust, an an injured worker, a customer, is more apt to listen. And then with the emphasis on helping them make decisions that will promote return to work and full productivity. And so it's that power of influence, Jonathan, that, that can drive engagement for the injured worker and improved experience and then ultimately drive those outcomes that we're all seeking to achieve. Shane, do you want to build on that, or did I miss anything in in that conversation? No, it's actually a challenge to build on on that response, Kimberly. Uh, You're certainly right. Um, And at a more practical level, uh, part of uh, what was discussed and what we need to do is, you know, how do we free up a lot of that trap capacity to enable those brilliant people who are at the, the front line working with our injured clients, our injured workers, uh, to do their job effectively and do their job well. And, you know, Kimberly and myself, we might talk a little bit about later on about the, what the role the tech might have in, in leading that. Probably just the other point I might add to what Kimberly has said. In, in some areas, certainly I'll speak uh, about Australia in particular, uh, we also have to win trust back. Uh, a lot of people in our community have lost trust in some of the big institutions or with government. So I think we have a very strong role to play to, on, on behalf of who our key clients are, win that trust back. Uh, probably I'll mention two things in terms of lifting up the 
I was going to say uh, bonnet, I, I, which I mean hood in terms of what I've seen across some of the global geographies, and that's that role of that nurse case manager. In Australia, nurses sit almost at the very top of the list of people and professions who are trusted. Uh, I may have a, a bias here, given there's some in my family. Um, again, there's something there in terms of the capability that we need to build up, which is really one of the key drivers of why people has created that uplifting capability, how we re bring in the right people uh, with the right culture to deliver those great services. The evidence is overwhelming in terms of better outcomes for injured clients when trust is established up front, um, and particularly with people, as Kimberly's already mentioned, who really do have that right, that the skill set, but the empathy and the culture that's going to drive that. Yeah, as you said that, Shane, it makes me think about, you know, how we define an advocacy approach or this injured worker claimant centric program. And I know, you know, some say, well, don't design around them, design with them. And I'm, I'm completely in agreement with that. But there are some key components to this. Um, and I think nurses, to your point, do this quite well, although being a nurse myself and having led clinical teams for much of my career, I think there's still some capability uplift for them as well. But at the heart of advocacy and influencing others, you have to be authentic. And sometimes our um, our case managers, our, our technical experts are really deep into the process and worried about or concerned about thinking about how they're audited and maybe the end result that they want to achieve, but not necessarily helping this person on their journey, making sure they clearly understand and giving them time to comprehend what it is that the claims process requires of them and that maybe the next step or the next two or three or four steps in the process. So authenticity is really important. Um, being an empathetic individual, transparency is super important. And to your point, when there's a negative public relations or a potential mistrust, it's even more important that we're transparent and that we're an active listener. We oftentimes are impatient, and that's because of the the amount of work on our desks or that or you know the tasks to be completed and we need to create an environment that is conducive to this type of um approach so that we really can have a better understanding of that that injured person's needs and the opportunity to help them get back to health and productivity so when i think about definition um, that's that comes top of mind, and maybe I'll just kick it over to you, Shane. In in Australia, we're really um, working working hard at Sedgwick, along with much of our international business, to expand Sedgwick's workforce absence or absence management and some of our nurse triage programs. So, do you want to share a little bit about that? I think it fits into this conversation. Yeah, Kimberly. Look, I, I absolutely believe it does. And um, in terms of establishing that immediate connection and trust, 
I, I look at the work that's happened uh, across particularly the United States, uh, what our uh, direct health services team are doing here in Australia in terms of absence management. So it really probably promotes that, I'll call it that upstream early intervention, not just in terms of supporting both the workplace and, and the injured person to get immediate treatment, the right intervention at the right time. It establishes them an immediate connection and, and builds trust almost from day one. Again, I always keep going back to the evidence base that supports it. If, if someone is injured in the workplace and they get support from their employer within the first three days, the outcomes in terms of recovery, return to function, return to work are very significantly different. Um, I'll just mention like one number that I just know it's ingrained into my brain uh, in terms of mental health and mental injury type claims. Where there's support and intervention within the first three days, there is a 63% better recovery and return to work outcome for those people. Um, and I think that's primarily driven by that immediate communication, that immediate intervention, and that immediate establishment of trust, particularly with that nurse triage right up front. It's very powerful, and we're all searching for that silver bullet. In, in my experience, it could well be one of those. And some of the clients here in Australia who are now putting that in place, you can see the obvious link and connection through to workers' compensation. Um, and I can see that in some of the very large corporate clients in the US. So there's some, some fantastic opportunities here in Australia to leverage off that type of work we do uh, across the globe. Yeah, thanks for adding that in, Shane. Well, I think all of that probably dovetails to the next part of the conversation that uh, if you both could comment a little bit on, first of all, you know, technology is still a key component. And then we talk about people first and tech forward and our data-driven strategy. So can you both speak to that, weave that in, and, and share with our listeners how that is all yeah. playing a role in this? Yeah, that's, I'm happy to take that first. And, and Shane, I'll touch on it a bit around what we're doing in U.S. And, of course, we want to bring the, these options into Australia and are working towards that. But you can weave it into the Australia market. So we're finding that, that claimants, injured workers, our customers, they want, they want a tech solution. They want a people solution. And we really need to be able to wrap technology around our employers, our carriers, our adjusters, and, of course, the injured workers. And so when I think of the earliest part of a claim, it's becoming much more common for an injured worker to be able to go on to a Sedgwick app and report their claim, regardless of what type of personal injury claim, liability claim, absence claim, et cetera. The opportunity to do that can then also link that that customer into various resources, whether it's nurse triage, as we just discussed, I want to talk to a claims professional, et cetera. It's not ever, I, I don't think, going to be a fully automated claims process in the personal injury. But when we think about high frequency, low severity, we are working closely with our customers in bringing a very light touch to those 
low severity claims that, frankly, the process required to um, manage the claim is too labor intensive, both for the claims administrator as well as for the person who's been injured. So I think about that front-end tech and the opportunity not just to take in a claim, but also to be an engine around some of that auto adjudication or light touch. And then the ability for an, an injured worker, for instance, um, or somebody with an auto personal injury claim possibly, to be able to go into the same the same app in the same area so they're not having to find where to go and be able to have claim status updates, to be able to provide pictures or return to work updates. It's very efficient and effective. And of course, if somebody wants to talk to the claims professional or email this information in a in a secure way, certainly those options should be available. But frankly, around the globe, we're all struggling with talent. We may actually talk about that here in a bit. And so the more efficient we can be for our customers as well as our teams, I think, the better. And then the other, the other area I will say around um, that data-driven is really around modeling and using data to identify re the right resource to be on a claim much sooner than has ever been done before. Um, we've, we've looked at litigation flags for a very long time, um, flags to case management. But I think with the level and amount of data we have now that assists with underwriting, assists us with really identifying in much more detail the claims that need to have more intensive engagement is something that we're really excited to bring to Australia and certainly are experiencing quite a bit of success with elsewhere. So those are a few of, of my my thoughts on people first, tech forward, and data driven. Shane? Um, the commonality uh, with the challenge in, in Australia are quite stark and, and Kimmy and I have had these conversations with people often talk about the differences. Uh, there are far more similarities across these geographies than there are differences. So some of the solutions uh, will lend themselves to uh, application in Australia and around, the and, and around the globe. I'd probably just to add to what Kimberly has said, and it really is about enabling choice uh, as well. Uh, we'll have five generations, we already do have five generations of people in the workforce um, but more and more the digital offering is simply the way that people want to engage and want to work. Uh, I think the point has already been extremely well made in terms of how do we free up uh, that, I call it, trap capacity of those you know, highly skilled, highly sought after, after you know, case managers, nurse case managers, etc. And, and tech is a way to strip out, as I think Kimberly said, that high volume uh, transactional work and strip out a lot more of that compliance activity. Most of our schemes around the world are driven by some fairly complicated uh, statute law and or re regulations, etc. So strip it all out, automate as much of that as we can. And I think the secret source in the future is more and more utilising the data that we can collect, whether it be sentiment analysis, 
whether it be voice to text, some of this new unstructured data so we can get much better at predicting when we should intervene and also critically when we shouldn't intervene. It's evident that some will be on the right pathway and they may have very high health literacy, a, a terrific treating practitioner and more critically, a very supportive workplace and or employer. Sometimes the best thing we do is leave them alone and let them get on with it because they're doing a terrific job. So our issues are very, very similar. Therefore, the opportunities are also significant there as well. I think the use of data and analytics is going to help us more and more to make sure we deploy the right resource, the right capability at the right time, and that will grow over time as we start to embed it into our AI and our, and our machine learning type capability. So really looking forward to learning from what we're doing around the world and translating that into the Australian market and vice versa. Some quite clever things are happening here in Australia and as Kimberly said at the conference, I'm not quite sure, you're very much looking forward to uh, discovering and taking things back that can be applied in our other global geographies. Um, because of our size, you know, a population of 26 million, so tailed into insignificance compared to some of the populations uh, around the world, uh, sometimes we just have to move a bit rather agile and rather adaptable. Um, with that becomes risk and with that also becomes some good, good lessons learned. So, yeah, not much more I can expand on from what Kimberly's already said, but some exciting opportunities there that we can grasp. Well, as we kind of bring this to a close, uh, and you talked earlier about the conference theme, but we, we are continuing to look toward the future of workers' compensation in Australia. Are there any trends, any last things that either of you would like to, to talk about before we close out? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, I think, generally speaking, Around the globe, there is an an interest in the schemes, the the carriers, even the employers being a bit less prescriptive in exactly what they want their claim service provider to deliver, and more flexibility in allowing the claims administrator to perform at their best. And that, with that. Um, takes a lot of um, gate checks, a lot of milestones that you must achieve and consistent performance. But there is an interest in allowing flexibility to be able to drive the best results. And I'm, I'm excited for that because I think that while we're all in the industry together, there are unique learnings that each each claims provider can bring to the industry and more globally share those so that we're learning together. So I think there's significant interest in that, um, and, and I'm excited to see where that goes going forward. I also think that um, the mental health and mental injuries, especially in Australia and within the international market, probably a bit more so than U.S. just because of the way U.S. laws are in in major part is something we cannot miss. And the way in which mental health and mental injuries are being addressed in Australia, there are learnings we can bring into the U.S. Um, we have a workforce across the globe, communities, and um, our citizens more broadly that are suffering from mental health and mental injuries. And we need to be more supportive of them 
ensure we have cultures within our workplace that can help drive the best in our um, people so that ultimately our customers get the best results. And when we think about injured workers, um, people with personal injury claims, it's really important that we address mental health and mental injuries very early on. So, um, again, I think that's um, really more emphasis today than ever before. Um, another area I will just touch on is our talent. You know, when we think about the public relations or the the media support or lack thereof, our community's trust in um, claims administration, insurance, and and schemes of the like, we have some work to do to show that we we are there to help people return to health and and productivity, and equally that insurance is a career destination, that people should want to come to work in this great field that's focused on taking care of people. And at Cedric, of course, we talk about caring counts is at the is at the heart of everything we do is taking care of people. But the industry doesn't exude that. The industry doesn't um, present itself as a career destination. And so I do think whether you're in U.S., Australia, U.K., Germany, this is something that is being discussed much more frequently. And certainly at Sedgwick, um, it's important to us as we are so focused on talent, attraction, development, and retention. Shane, what are some of your closing thoughts? It's uh, always hard to follow you because you basically probably picked up the three key themes that, that I would manage, which, which is a real positive. So I'm glad you called out the mental health uh, challenge. It really is probably the tsunami in terms of the impact across Australian schemes. I would probably make that the point, though, it's not just in relation to workers' compensation. And again, I go back certainly what I've learned uh, in working with Cedric, going back to absence management and a real shift towards making sure we keep our workforce well, resilient and at work. So it's a form of risk management. Let's not wait for the injury and or the event to unfold. Let's get upstream and build that resilience and build that wellness concept into both our workplace and into our community. Um, certainly, uh, you know, coming out of one of those uh, regulators who perhaps um, you know, was too focused on compliance and, and ticking all the boxes, I think Kimberly's absolutely spot on where it's a real shift away from process and compliance-driven outcomes. So, well, they're not really outcomes. They're really just indicators to a shift more towards achieve the outcome and we'll leave it more to you to be to innovate and design solutions with us to achieve that outcome in the very same way, certainly uh, in Australia, and I see it very evident in the US, a shift from a health perspective to um, you know, value-based healthcare. I think that's going to be one of the, it's, it's hard, but it will be a big shift. Um, so the, the other one that I'd probably just alert is we need to make sure we don't lose sight of one of the, still one of the main challenges across every jurisdiction in the world that I've seen and studied and that is your classic you know, musculoskeletal injury and disease. It still represents the vast majority of injuries in many workplaces, certainly in Australia and around the world. 
The thing that has emerged quite significantly in Australia, and I think we've got pretty good at the data now, is the development of what we call a secondary mental injury. So what manifests itself as a, as primarily as a physical injury, the barrier to recovery and return to work isn't, in fact, a physical injury. And you can look at your ODG guidelines saying, well, why isn't this person recovered and back at work? It's the impact of that mental health, mental issue. Um, and probably the key, key learning, and I was up on the stage trying to, you know, herd a group of, you know, six or seven chief executives around, you know, what next? Um, I think certainly in the Australian context, you know, we're very challenged along the lines of are our workers' compensation schemes still fit for purpose given what's emerged over the period of time? And again, I kept going back to absence management and things we can learn there in terms of keeping that workforce well and critically keeping people at work whilst they recover. The evidence is overwhelming that people do recover better at work and the longer they are off work, the more challenged it becomes whether it's a re even just a return to function, return to life, let alone a return to work. Very, very similar themes, just different approaches from time to time. Yeah, I think that's really great. You know, I'm, I was really impressed with peace, the attendees, the opportunity to collaborate, and personally I'm looking forward to working more closely um, the rest of the year and throughout 2023 with Shane and, and our personal injury workers' compensation team in Australia as we really look to further our model and take some of the key learnings we have to help customize and enhance the workers' compensation schemes in Australia, um, really jump into the injury management and expand our absence management solutions that we've already launched in Australia. So, Shane, it's been great talking with you today and, and having an opportunity to collaborate so closely with you around peace and our, our product build in Australia. So thanks for your partnership. It's been really great to, to work with you. And thanks to Jonathan for, for having both of us today. Yeah, and, and likewise, Kimberly. And, uh, and thank you for those uh, who are listening. Um, and I was a coach to try and speak clearly uh, and try and avoid confusion with my accent. So if you uh, having trouble understanding me, my apologies. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I think it's the beautiful part about Sedgwick, our global fan and reach, and, and all the people that we, we pull together. You touched on Kimberly operating around the world. So thank you both for sharing your thoughts and insights, and, and we I hope we have future shows and get more more exposure to this. So until next time, thanks for listening today.